You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Honest AF Show. This is episode 20, and um, I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And I'm Daniela Clark. And we have a very special guest with us today. Our producer, Lisa Goich, is with us. Hello, Lisa. Woohoo! I'm officially a guest on the Honest AF Show. <laughs> well, you are under uh, under the uh, quarantine orders because we haven't had you on, actually, during this time. No, I've been completely quarantined, and I haven't signed on with you guys because I didn't want to, uh, you know, mess up the, you know... The, the lines. I was afraid that if I got on, it would somehow toss you guys off or whatever. I think the the simpler, the better at this time. Yeah, exactly. Because I think sometimes there's a, a bit of a delay. And so it's hard. Yeah. All your shows during quarantine have been so great. You've been you've sounded really, really good. Well, thank you. At least we have producer Lisa's approval. Oh, my gosh. And, 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 and producer Lisa's husband, Teddy, because every week. <laughs> When I've been listening, which, by the way, which, by the way, one of my favorite things ever was uh, when you guys showed up uh, at our house unannounced um, and did a little drive-by during all of this. That was so much fun. Love yeah, Teddy's. You guys. I like, you guys caught me in my bikini. Ah, it was so great. Teddy was so excited. He's like, "Man, Daniela's got like a six-pack." I'm like, "What are you yeah, trying to right. say?" What are you trying to say, Teddy? <laughs> I got a case going on. So how about that? <laughs> case. I got a keg. Oh <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so far, uh, we've been getting some uh, pretty fun drive-bys. I'm actually getting a drive-by today from uh, uh, Stacy. I'm very excited. I haven't seen her in a while. Oh, fun. Well, see, she was kind enough yeah. to announce herself. Aww. I, on the other hand, Teddy was like, no, we're just going to go there. I'm like, you can't do that during quarantine. He's like, we're just going to go. And we're just start beeping our horn in front of their house. So um, I like that. I like that because <laughs> then you just get what you get. It's a surprise packet. Right. We got Gilby, of course, working on his motorcycle, yeah. Uh, yeah. motorcycles, and uh, Daniela popping out in a bikini. <laughs> <laughs> I had just been swimming. That's why <laughs> I'm either in my bikini or my workout gear. That's my new, uh, my uniform. I like it. Well, for, um, those of you who don't really know that much about producer Lisa, I would like to let you know that she is not only a producer extraordinaire, but she is also, um, a comedian. She's a writer. Oh. She's an author, right? Lisa? Yes. Yep. All those things. Um, a radio talk show host, yes, uh, which I've actually been interviewed by you for your podcast too. Yeah, um, you were on our our radio podcast. show. Uh, yeah, you were on my podcast. But did you ever? Were you ever on our radio show here in LA? I don't remember. Uh, I don't think so. I think I came with Gilby once or twice when he recorded with you, and I just kind of watched. Yeah, but I wasn't actually on it. Yeah, because we were um, on KLSX, uh, the same station that Ricky Rackman was on. Um, at right. Ricky Rackman's That's time, right. yeah, I was I was on KLSX when Ricky was on, uh, and I was on in the afternoons at five two to five. That was our show with Jim Daniels, JD, JD, and the Lady, and um, and then they moved 
They mm-hmm. shif- shuffled everything around when our station got sold. And then they moved me to one o'clock in the morning, uh, preceding Howard Stern. So, um, uh, wow, that was like, that's like sexy time. Yeah, it was sexy time. Me, cab drivers, police officers, uh, people who, (laughs) (laughs) people who worked at the post office, perverts (laughs) and crazy people. So, um, (laughs) that was my audience, but I have to say, I loved it so much and, I loved it so much. And they only really put me on at that time to write out my contract. And when it was done, you know, they're not going to pay me what I was going to make in the afternoons to stay on at that time. So they offered me like this pittance to stay on. And me and my stupid ego was like, no way. But I should have just called their bluff, taken whatever money they gave me. I mean, it's one o'clock in the morning. What are you doing at that time anyway? Nothing. So I should have just, um, I should have called their bluffing. Yeah, the show was awesome because it was just it was so personal and you're you're talking to just these night dwellers in LA which was awesome. And I should have just I should have just kept the show going. I was an idiot. I was so dumb. But whatever. You know. I'll do another nighttime I, it was show. Fun. I I remember I remember listening to your show a couple times. I thought you were so funny. Yeah, it was fun. We had we had um, Motley Crue on uh, one night at one from one to three, and they basically just took over the airwaves. They just went crazy, and I got in trouble because they said fuck like two times <laughs> during the show <laughs> on you know regular air. And my my <laughs> engineer at the time was this guy James, the engineer, uh, who was this really deep voiced. I don't know if he was from Jamaica or if he just smoked a lot of pot. And I assumed he was from Jamaica, but, um, you know, he would smoke pot before the show and then he would just get on the air. And sometimes maybe he would just kind of zone out. And so I think he let both of the, you know, F-bombs fly. And then I got in trouble the next day. And I'm like, it's one o'clock in the morning. Who cares? Uh, you know, but it was super fun having them in the studio. They were amazing. Like, uh, you know, totally unhinged. And Pam Anderson was there. That's when he was, uh, Tommy was still married to Pam. And um, she just- Wow, that must've been, that must've been during the week that he was married to her. (laughs) 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 That's so funny. (laughs) Yes, I think that's when it was. Um, It was super cool, but we, we we had fun regardless. So if you added up all her marriages- it probably totals a couple weeks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they didn't last. They don't last very long, huh? <laughs> didn't the one, the recent one only lasted like a week. Oh, that was crazy. That was a, yeah. that, that lasted a week. And then didn't it end by like a text or something crazy? Like he was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah, <he texted> her. <laughs> <laughs> well, the weird thing is, is right before they got married, I remember reading this article about how how this is this is his person he's waited 30 years for her and and he has never felt love like this before and this late in his life and oh my god <laughs> this is it and then <laughs> what happened the ecstasy world <laughs> he should have been in the fashion industry and right one week you're in one next week you're not right exactly <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Got over it really fast. That's, I think sometimes those guys, like they have a crush for, the, you know, these uh, actresses. They have like a crush that they've been holding on to for God knows how long. And then once they conquer that crush and 
there's nothing there. Right. All it is, it's the unattainability of it is what I think turns them on. And then they attain it. And then it's like, oh, well, also then when you attain it, you're getting the real human. You're no longer getting the picture that everybody else sees. You're getting that person, you know, so. But then again, what do we know? I think I remember reading that they dated for a while and it just didn't work out or something before. Yeah. They knew each other a long time. So Plus, maybe some people know. just aren't I mean, cut out for marriage. I don't think he was cut out for marriage. I mean, who really is? I think it's just an exercise in tolerance. <laughs> right. I know. You guys sound like right. Sloan. Sloan Sloan is always going off about it. No one should be married ever. I know. Yeah. It's not for everybody. I know. So Lisa, what's been going on while Barb and I have been catching up? What have you been doing? Uh, I have been, geez, while well, working during the days and uh, trying to stick to my Weight Watchers, which has been quite a challenge during this crazy time. Tell me about and, it. Yeah, how do you? Well, it seems like that might be actually a little, a little easier because you have control over it rather than having to go to a restaurant, right? That is true. It was at first, but let me tell you, the more that I, um, the more that I stay home and I start getting stuff shipped in that I've never ordered before. You know, I'm trying all these new things. Uh, like, did I need to order the package of? dark chocolate crepes. I thought, oh, how much can they be with one crepe? They're so thin. Uh, Well, one never does you justice. So you have to eat four, which becomes my entire food intake for the day. So those kind of things. (laughs) I've just been eating foods that I shouldn't be eating. Um, But that's been a challenge. But also I finished my book, which was really stressing me out. Um, um, My next book that's coming out... uh, is, um, let's see, it's coming out in March, March 3rd of next 20, year. Yeah. 3, 3, 2021. So, um, March 3rd, it'll be coming out on 3, 3. And it's a book called, I wonder, and it's a guided grief journal. Um, uh, I was, I've been working on that. I, well, actually I just turned my manuscript in on May 1st. It was due. And that was stressing me out because during the pandemic, I mean, maybe people would think that, oh, you're locked up in your house. It's really easy to write. But, you know, the first month of what we all went through, I think was really difficult for everybody. You know, wasn't it difficult for you guys? It was hard to concentrate on anything except for what was happening. Yeah, well, it was really shocking for me. Like, I just didn't understand how this could be going on. Right. How about you, Barb? Well, I think one of the reasons that I wanted to ask you to do the podcast was because, you know, the first couple weeks for me seemed to be like, okay, this is an adjustment. And then of course there was the homeschooling and that's a whole nother podcast and issue. But I was thinking, you know, it's going to be a couple of weeks. Let's try and make the most of it. Let's enjoy it. Zach's home. We have each other's undivided attention. Um, You know, we're very isolated up here in our rural mountain area. And I thought, you know, okay. And, And now that we're into the second month, I have, I don't know about you guys, but I've been, the, the every day is in a whole new group of emotions, but this past week has, I've been really emotional and extremely sad. And I don't know if it's because a lot of the people that I um, converse yeah. with on social media are now starting to feel, you know, 
the the anxiety, the financial anxiety, the anxiety of what's going to happen in their professional lives, what's going to happen to their children. Like me, a lot of people have, you know, high school seniors or college seniors that have been robbed of their graduation. And, um, you know, there's, there's all this emotional stuff going on. And I've been really, really sad this past week. And I thought, you know, what better thing to do when you're sad than to read a book on bereavement and grieving. So Mm -hmm. I finished your 14 days book, Lisa. And Oh, you did? I did. And I thought, you know, for so many people right now, there is a grieving and a bereavement process that needs to be addressed because even if they're just bereaving their old life, Everything is changing for all of us. Nothing will ever be the same. I anyone who thinks that we are just going to bounce right back into our old routines and everything's going to be the same, um, they're from another planet. They're not, you know, they're not living in reality. So I thought, you know, sometimes misery loves company, and honestly, your book was a lot more uplifting, and the journey was so awe-inspiring for me. And I don't know, maybe you want to share a little bit about the book, Lisa. Okay, thank you. Um, Yeah, well, my first book uh, was called 14 Days. Well, it's not technically my first book. I did a book like in 2001 called The Breakup Diary, but I'm not counting that because it's not a real book. (laughs) I Um, remember that book. I remember that. (laughs) It was like a work. It was a guide. It was like a journal, right? Like a working journal. Yeah, it was a guided journal um, before anybody was doing guided journals. And it's a whole long story. That's an entirely other episode that we'll talk about one day. Um, people stealing your ideas. Um, uh, that would make a good episode uh, <laughs> because Daniela, Daniela, I know could talk Daniela, about that you too. Can, yeah. We should do an episode on that one day, but that's a whole nother story. But anyway, so my book 14 days came out in um, November of 2015. It was a book about my mom's final 14 days of life. And uh, it, um, it's just a tiny little book. It's a little tiny hardcover book. And um, it's also available on audiobook. But it basically chronicles, I was just supposed to go home to visit my mom for a long weekend in December, right before Christmas, because my mom lives in Michigan. I live here in LA. My mom and dad do, and or did, my mom did. And um, I don't like going home at Christmas because airline travel is horrible at that time. So I always go home in December, early in the month, you know, beginning of December, maybe the second week of December, but I never go home at Christmas anymore. We just celebrate early. So I was going home for just a long weekend. And when I went home, my mom had just started kidney dialysis and was hating it. She fell at her dialysis appointment and injured herself, ended up in the hospital. So my first day back home, my mom was in the hospital and she announced then that she didn't want to do her dialysis anymore. But not doing the dialysis anymore would mean that she would die within a couple of weeks. So it was all discussed as a family. She was cool. My mom was ready. She just she didn't want to live with all the pain. I don't know if you've ever known anybody who's gone through dialysis, but it's a very uncomfortable and horrible uh, process. Um, it's difficult for people who are healthy. But when you're 85 and you're already super frail. It's a really hard process. So my mom, um, uh, my mom went through this dialysis and, um, decided she was going to quit. And 
so she she basically they they took her home and she was under hospice care. So that's where the whole book picks up. And I just talk about the two week journey of watching somebody die, you know, and knowing that they're going to go. And it was this tiny little moment in time that we had together and we tried to make the best of it. And we had parties for her every day and people came over and she got to say her goodbyes. And I have to say that, excuse me, I have to say that if you're going to go in any way, that's the way to go. If you have a chance to plan your death, you know, you know that it's coming surrounding yourself with loved ones and and making it a celebration is the best way to go. And that's pretty much what we did. You know, and the book is talking about celebrating someone's life in the end. And people are always so reluctant to read it because they're like, oh, it's about death. It's going to make me sad. But I think what I try, there's some funny parts in it. And what I tried to do is just show you that, you know, at the end of our lives, we should celebrate our life, you know, and at the end of our loved one's lives, we should celebrate how they lived and not dwell on the fact that they're leaving. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of what I tried to do. So that's what the book was about. It it totally makes sense. I I remember that I I remember (laughs) when you, um, when your mom was sick and when you went back there and, um, and I remember when you wrote the book and I actually went through something similar to that with my girlfriend, when my girlfriend, Lori passed away. My one friend, uh, told me, you know, when someone is, when someone knows they're passing away, it can actually be a very um, powerful moment too, because they can right. choose how they want to go. Um, and y- you, as their loved one, can also empower them and make like their grandest wishes come true for the way they pass and surround them with love and a, a party and have people over and get everybody to come over and and be with them and kind of grant them that final goodbye. So I, I do understand that. Yeah, that's exactly what you're exactly right. In fact, um, <clears throat> on another podcast that I work on with Mitch Album, it's called Tuesday People. Uh, it's it's about his you know teacher that he wrote the book Tuesdays with Maury uh, on, and Maury um, you know knew he was going to die because he had ALS. And on one of our episodes, we had a woman that it was a fascinating interview. She was a death doula. We just actually aired that one last week. We held it for a long time because of COVID. It was a difficult thing to air because people can't die that way right now, which is yeah. a whole nother subject. Yeah. Um, you know, dying right now does not afford people the ability to have parties. Uh, dying right now is a whole different thing. But in general, in her yeah. life, what she does for people is she's basically there to plan your death for you. Uh, How do you want it? What do you want? What do you want to be surrounded with? Who do you want to be surrounded with? What kind of music do you want to listen to? Um, Do you want people to hold you, to hug you? When you die, after you die, do you want your body to be washed? How do you want to be buried? I mean, it's an amazing thing, but she takes the end of people's lives and makes them so beautiful, you know? And boy, if we have the opportunity to do that, what a blessing, you know, yeah. uh, it's just a really, it's an amazing thing. So that's kind of what we tried to do with my mom's life. Uh, she did have hospice care. We didn't know about death doulas then, but I guess we were sort of being death doulas for her and we didn't even realize it. Um, you know, we just tried to make every moment of her life good. We, we actually, in the book I talk about, I had my friend who's a masseuse in Michigan, who always gives me massages when I go back home. 
she came over to our house and gave my mom her first massage my mom has ever had in her whole life. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, she had never, because she, she didn't want people touching her. Yeah. My mom was always like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. And um, she didn't like people touching her. And my mom, she, she gave her about an hour and 45 minute massage. My mom, when she was done, it looked like my mom was high. I mean, she was like, <laughs> oh my God, why did I never do that before? And the saddest thing she said, can you get me? Cause she was going, my mom was going a little in and out at that point. She said, can you, Cecilia, leave your card for when Lisa leaves so that I can call you and have you come back again. <laughs> and she didn't, so you know, sweet. my mom for that split second forgot that there was no going to be calls or right. Lisa leaving or anything. And, um, uh, but she really loved that moment. Like, she, you know, so we gave her a massage and Cecilia's husband, um, who has since passed away, was an Indian, a Native American Indian chief. And, uh, uh, for a tribe in Michigan and he came over and gave my mom a, a native American blessing, uh, brought her an Eagle feather that we put in her casket with her. Um, he gave her a whole declaration, like it's a formal, formally framed declaration that they gave my mom a native American princess. They deemed her a princess and called her princess harvest moon. Oh. So in her, That's so yeah, lovely. and her last day, isn't that That's amazing? So and her last, yeah, they made my mom a princess, and um, oh. uh, she had this Native American name, and he made her a bracelet uh, that she had on her arm from that point forward. Uh, she's still wearing it, um, and um, we never took it off of her. So he made her a bracelet. We put the feather in this little pouch that we put on my mom. Everybody wrote cards to my mom that she did not open. She put in her, we put them in her pouch so that they would travel with her into the next life. Uh, they could put pictures in there, whatever. We gave her this little, you know, like a little sort of a fanny pack thing that she actually, I made her to put on her walker when she was still able to walk. And uh, we, we transferred that to my mom's body when she was gone and we put all these notes to her and everything. So she had everything with her in her casket when she left. So it was oh. kind of, it's kind of beautiful, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I really highly recommend people do that when you can, you know, yeah. and even in these days uh, of COVID where some people can't be with people as they're dying, um, you have to think of creative ways to do that. You know, nurses and doctors now are pulling people in on FaceTime to talk to people, yeah. uh, on the phone, you know, yeah. yeah, on the phone to be with them at their very final moments and, you know, do that. And then at your, at the end, see what you can do to make the final goodbye the best it can possibly be, you know? So, yeah. And even just doing like something similar to what do you, you did, have, which is um, journal, you know, doing a journal on it or uh, maybe doing some type of a, a ceremony, a memorial afterwards, hopefully when everything goes back to normal or to the new normal. Yeah, exactly. Right. The, yeah. The memorials are all coming afterwards, which is wonderful. And these days, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but most of my friends, when like friends who have died, um, they don't have traditional funerals like I grew up with. You know, in the Ser I grew up in a Serbian church, and everybody, you know, you die the next day, you go to the funeral home. Sometimes you're at the funeral home for two days, and then the last third day, you 
get buried, you know? So it's always a thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But these days, so many friends do memorials, you know, somebody dies and then you have a service in like a couple months when everybody can arrange travel and people can come and that sort of thing. I wanted to say I had a similar situation when my mom passed. Um, She passed away and wanted to donate her body to science because my brother is a scientist and my mother um, was so entranced by his having a cadaver and the things that he was learning when he was in school that she thought, you know, one day I am going to donate my body to science. And she had said to me when when we found out she was sick, I had a little bit longer than 14 days, but she was uh, diagnosed uh, really sick on August the 2nd and she passed away August the 24th. And in that time period, you know, she was extremely adamant about donating her body to science. And so we weren't, the way that works is they come and take your body within 12 hours of your passing and you get ashes as the remains when they're finished doing whatever they do. Either they donate your organs individually to um, residents and, and, and medical programs for research hospitals, or they, um, if, if your organs are viable and you're also a donor, they'll donate your viable organs and then your diseased organs they'll give to science or the medical students. And um, so I had, and I'm one of seven children, so I had to wait Um, It was probably, um, we did a memorial, my mom passed away August uh, 24th, and we did a memorial for her on the Sunday of Labor Day weekend because I felt I'm one of seven kids and I wanted all my sisters and brothers and my nieces and nephews and my mother had uh, um, 18 grandchildren and um, I think at the time four great grandchildren. And so I was trying to get, and we live all over the country. So I was trying to get everyone to come to her memorial. But, um, then months after she passed, uh, the, the company that, that took her when she donated her body to science, they gave, they sent the ashes to me and I, um, you know, gave them to all of my siblings, um, and myself, and we all did different things, but yeah, we, we arranged a memorial much later on. And I think, you know, part of this whole COVID-19 thing, I mean, yeah, you can't, I'm not so sure. Um, a lot of these people have had the ability to talk about, um, how they want to die. I mean, a lot of um, the, the deaths that we've had here in America um, are elderly people. So maybe there was a plan put in place. Um, but for, you know, the younger population that have passed away, I'm not so sure that, you know, people, none of us saw this coming, at least, you know, that we that we were led on to believe what's going on. And part of me was just wondering, Lisa, when you wrote the book, was that part of the bereavement and grieving process for you? Was it, was it something that helped? Was it cathartic? Because I think the people that are being left behind and people that are, you know, now becoming homeless and there's just so much sadness right now. And I was just wondering, like, I'd love to be able to share. Usually we're so late and try to be funny. And we talk about things that are, you know, superficial. Um, but I think it's important that maybe, you know, we get a little bit real right now. And it, it, do you have any advice for, you know, people that are, that are really feeling just sad? 
here's what I have to say. That is that, um, oh, am I not on? Oh, I'm on. Sorry, Phil. You can cut that out. Sorry. You are. <laughs> can you guys hear me? Yep. Okay. I couldn't see my line there for I one can. second. Okay. Cut that out, Phil. Anyway, um, yes, I actually, um, well, my, here's the thing. So I'll, I'll start with my latest project that's going to be coming out in March because that's exactly what that book is. It's a, it's a guided grief journal. And many of the exercises in that book are, the book is sort of an adjunct to my mom's book because my book was my own guided grief journal. You know, um, most of the chapters in my book, instead of chapters that split into days, 14 days is, so it's day one, day two, day three. And my mom died on Christmas Eve. So all of the pages lead up to Christmas Eve with sort of like little Christmas Carol, um, quotes at the beginning, uh, on Facebook at that time, I was posting mostly for our family and friends and relatives that didn't live in town or didn't know. I would post little updates on my mom. And friends were saying that the updates were so beautiful that I should save those and make them into a book one day. So I thought, eh, you know, I, I wasn't sure. So, But I did save them. I made a document. And I was copying and pasting them every single time I would post something. And what ended up happening is those posts, which were cathartic to me at the time to write, ended up becoming the backbone for this book, along with my dad's journal. My dad has kept a journal um, every day since he retired. He's now 98 years old, still writes in his journal every day. He's the cutest. So for almost, so cute. Yeah, he's super cute. Um, so for 40, yeah, for 40 years, he's kept a journal and his journal is every day. Like I woke up at 830, had eggs, watched the Today Show. Jodie Foster <laughs> was on. Um, you know what I mean? Like everything. So if you need to know what happened on wow. any day, <laughs> what the weather was, what the temperature was, my dad had it in his journal. For me, that was invaluable because it filled in when I went to go write this book, you know, a year later, it filled in every hole that there was for um what happened on those specific days. You know, I could just look to a specific date and say, oh, we woke up that morning, we sat in the house, so-and-so came over. It really helped to fill in those holes. So I am an, a major advocate of journals. And uh, there was a quote in my book um, that was, uh, I wonder if, if my first breath was as soul-stirring to my mother as her last breath was to me. Okay, so... That was a quote in my book. And um, the quote took on a life of its own after my book came out. It went viral all over the place. If you if you Google it, it is everywhere. And one day I found, I Googled it, and I saw that there was somebody on Etsy making jewelry with my quote, and um, which would have been okay, but I wasn't credited or anything. So I tried to reach out to the girl. She's never written me back. But um, I'm like, I don't mind you doing that. But at least in your description of the jewelry, put my name and put the title of the book so people know where it's from. And maybe it helps support my book a little bit. So you're not just making money off of my words, right? And um, uh, so anyway, I sent it to my publisher and I said, this is crazy. Like people are making jewelry out of my quote, which just that alone was kind of blew my mind, you know? And so my, my publisher said, we need to do something with that quote. And what can we do to, 
to further that quote and to further that whole concept of I wonder after somebody dies. Because you always have so many questions after people go. You know, I wonder, was she comfortable in her last days? I wonder, was I a good friend? I wonder, you know, all of those things. Could I have done things differently? Um, You know, what could I have said? I wonder what they're doing now. There's so many questions. So we turned those thoughts into this guided grief journal, which is the book that's coming out next March. And it's called I Wonder. And it is exercises basically to take people through the grieving process all from day one, you know, on that first day where you first wake up and you realize, oh, crap, they're really not here, you know, Um, which I think is for so many people a hard thing because, you know, often you'll fall asleep and, and you wake up and you you might be caught in a dream, you know, and you know how that is. All of you have lost somebody, friends, yeah. family. Yeah. When you first wake up that first day and then it hits you that that person isn't here any longer. It's such a weird thing, you know? Yeah. So I try to take people from that first day into all kind of um, exercises, you know, you know, where does it hurt? I have like a little um, diagram, you know, listed because every day that feeling is going to hit you somewhere else. You know, one day it might hurt in your heart. One day you can't think of anything else. So your brain is all scrambled eggs, you know. Um, uh, There's just so many steps. Um, You know, I encourage people to talk to somebody today, you know, today, get on the phone with somebody, talk to somebody, because often we have a habit when people die to isolate ourselves, you know, um, instead of reaching out for help. Cause we think maybe nobody wants to hear about our grief. Uh, I'm an advocate right. of bringing in friends, especially friends who are facing the grief with you or family members, call your sister. If it's your father, uh, you know, Daniela, you and Barb both went through the loss with your friend, Lori, and you know, you yeah. did a great job as a group of girls to stay in touch with each other and to use that time to mourn together. And that's so important, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. It really is important because I went through that with, when I was really young, when I lost my dad, I was mm-hmm. 22 years old. And when my dad passed away, he, he passed away suddenly. And um, it was so shocking to my family, to my siblings, to my mom, um, and even to Gilby, to see me grieving in that way was really difficult yeah. for him to witness that. And so I quickly learned to stifle my feelings and not let anybody know how I really felt and mm-hmm. and isolated and slept a lot and was very depressed because I, if I voiced it and talked to anybody about it, it would upset them. It would upset Gilby. He'd worry about me. Um, if I talked to my mom, she would just start crying. If I talked to my sister or my brother, they would start crying. So I right. just stopped talking about it and then just kind of held it all in. And then years and years later, uh, after I had Frankie and years and years went by, I uh, finally went and saw a grief counselor because it all came back on me like a house of mm. bricks that fell on me. So um, I ended up having to deal with it. Not until then was I able to start healing from it. So it took me years. Yeah, and I think a lot of people do that. I think people, um, first of all, especially if you're a parent and you have young children or a parent with any children, I guess, 
you try to, you know, smile and be there for the kids, for your husband. You don't want, you know, you're like, no, no, it's life as usual. You know, you don't want to be sad. You don't want to disappoint anybody. You don't want to make other people feel bad. So you put on this mask, but you're right. All inside of you, it's, it's eating you up, you know? Um, and which is really why you have to reach out to people. I mean, I know when my mom died, um, I had to get, cause I had taken, I just started my job, my, my day job that I have. And, um, I was so worried that I was going to lose that job because I had taken all this time off right before Christmas, you know? Um, but they were super nice and nobody, nobody except for me was worried about it. Let's just say that they were, they were nothing but supportive. Um, but after the Christmas break, I had to get right back to work. And so for me, it was like life as usual. You know, I had to go back to life as normal. And I, I think I did what you said you did, Daniela. I just sort of buried it because I'm like, okay, back to work, mm-hmm. completely focus, um, you know, onward and upward. It's all over. It's done, you know? And it wasn't until I started writing my book, Back to Barb's Question, that uh, I think a lot of that stuff really started coming out. And then I started feeling guilty because I thought, oh my God, all this time I've been so selfish, not even mourning my mom, but instead trying to work and do all these other things through it, you know, Um, when I should have been mourning her when I did, but you can't beat yourself up like that. We all mourn differently. And by the way, everybody grieves different, you know, don't ever put yourself on some scale. And I say that in this journal too, like it's, you are not to ever feel guilty for if you want to cry today, or even by the way, if two days after the death, you're like, okay, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. That's where you are right now. Don't, don't feel bad about that and never, um, judge anyone who doesn't seem to be quote grieving like you think they should be grieving. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Because and I we, think Barb went through that too, but with the loss of your mom, Barb, because you've got little ones at home, you have to hold it together. Well, it was, it was really weird bec- because I had, um, two things to kind of say about that because, when I found out that my mom was sick, Lori, who became a very special person in my life through Daniela, um, got my number from Daniela to talk to me on a more personal one-on-one basis. And Lori, early on when my mom got sick, she said to me, um, Barb, I'm giving you a gift. And she bought me a gratitude journal. And she said, I want Uh. you to write in this every day for there's not a day that goes by that there's not something that we should be grateful for. And she kept gratitude journals. Um, and it was extremely helpful to me. And I didn't know that my mom was going to pass. We thought that maybe, um, she was just looking, you know, staring down a lengthy illness, but, um, it, it helped me tremendously. And I look back on it now and it's, it's one of my most valuable possessions. But one thing that I did experience, and I think Daniela, you experienced it a bit with Lori as well. Um, and I definitely experienced it with Lori and my mother was post-traumatic stress disorder. And I had kind of a delayed reaction and I, I did talk to girlfriends and I did reach out to the siblings that I have close relationships with. And I did talk to Zach and, and my adult children. And it was really strange because 
even though I had so many outlets and so many people that loved me and, and went through experiences as well and were sharing, you know, important parts of themselves with me, um, it, there, it was really strange. I, I felt like this isn't just mourning. This is something different. This is like sheer terror. And I thought I need to talk to somebody professionally because I am just not, I'm not okay. And so, um, I know I've, I've touched on this before on the podcast, but I went to an app called better help. It's one word. And, mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. you pay a monthly fee and I cannot tell you it's, it's professional doctors. Um, you could do Skype, you can do in-office visits, um, and you could do it from a, a myriad of problems. It doesn't have to be, um, a death. It could be that you're, you know, mourning your life before COVID, or, you know, you could be mourning, Mm -hmm. you know, just having extreme anxiety because none of us know what's going to happen next. And I cannot tell you, I, you put in through the app, some of the things that are bothering you. If you prefer, how you prefer to, do you want a counselor? Would you like a psychiatrist? Um, do you, um, want in office visits? Do you want to chat? through email, Skype? Do you want to talk on the phone? Um, It's a monthly fee. I loved it because I was able to reach out at two o'clock in the morning if some, because a lot of times I was waking up in sheer terror. I wasn't, it wasn't so much, you know, I, I was in survival mode during my day because I have four children and I was, you know, moving and, you know, life kept moving. But at two o'clock in the morning when I, you know, if I didn't take Benadryl to sleep, I could email this doctor. Her name was Sharon. Um, and she was in Northern California and a psychiatrist. And she explained to me when, when, when I described what I was feeling and, and trying to understand everything that I was feeling, she was able to say to me more than grieving, you're, you have post-traumatic stress disorder. You have been traumatized. And there was one particular day, one particular incident when my mother was sick that I absolutely positively was traumatized and she helped me through it. And Lori's last day for last week was kind of like your, the journey through your book, Lisa kind of really reminded me of that. And, you know, um, it was a whole different, group of emotions and people and each day was different for all of us. If you asked, if you looked at a journal of all, I don't even know, more than a dozen people that were there on a daily basis, everybody's journals would say something different because we've all, we all had different experiences. But I think that Daniela, for you, for sure, I believe that there was definitely because her last 24 hours were so traumatic for everyone that loved her. And she was so afraid. And I just, you know, I can't say anything better about this better help app or getting, you know, any kind of, of grief counseling or counseling, but I just hope that people understand that, um, you know, what they're feeling is real and it's okay to feel that way. And even though we're all trying to be optimistic, it's not, 
so easy for everybody. And I think right now it's really starting to hit for a lot of people because it's starting to feel like shit. Our lives are not what they were. Is it ever going to be the same? Like I, you know, I just, I just hope that whatever we can do to, you know, make everybody just a little bit happy or guide them in some sort of way, I, I would love to do that. Daniela, what, what, what's helped you aside of, I mean, you said you went to grief counseling, but even after Lori, has there been other? The main thing for me was what was different this time around than it was with my dad was that I felt really supported uh-huh. by everyone around me. When, when my, when my dad passed, everyone was so grief stricken and so shocked because it was so sudden. And I think we were all so young. We'd never dealt with death before in that way, in that capacity, that it really uh, shocked us to our core. And none of us really knew how to deal with that magnitude of, of grief and loss. Um, and so we just didn't deal with it. We all kind of just kept it inside and didn't discuss it because it would upset everybody around us. But this time around with Lori, I think I really um, felt so supported between you and all the other friends and and Gilby and um, our daughter, Frankie. Um, All of us were kind of in it together and we all loved Lori and we all experienced such a huge loss. And I think that really helped is that we were all able to be together and talk about it and, um, and, and honor her in the way that she would have been happy about. And, and I, even, I remember when we were, when the last few days that she was passing, we all went over there one by one, everybody was going to visit her. And I even remember she said, you know, where's Barb? And I said, well, Barb's been here all day, but she's going to, she's like, is she going to come back? I go, of course she's going to come back. And you did. And you were there like pretty much every single day you came back and you saw her and, and I was always there and all her friends, it was like a big party in her house. Um, and then, uh, you know, we had Gilby come and play guitar for her and sing to her. And uh, Richie Cotson came over and he played guitar with his beautiful daughter, August. And so many different people came by and were singing to her. And, and, and at one point she sat up and she looked around the room and she said to me, you know what, this is really beautiful. And in that moment, mm. it switched for me from like, I, I, I don't know, it was something in that moment that really made me feel like it, she got what she wanted at the end. She got the most beautiful send off. And, mm-hmm. and um, so I, I, I felt good about the fact that I, I thought that we had all done everything we could. I mean, obviously there's always going to be guilt and there's always going to be like, I wish I could have done this. I wish like that night, of course, I wish I would have slept over and, and been there when she took her last breath, you know? And so there's always that, but you do the best that you can. And as long as every, and, and everybody's there for each other and we can all talk about it. I think it really was so helpful was that we were, were all in it together and we were able to talk about it. Um, that really helped me this time around. That's true. And you know, that tying you, what you just said into what Barb has been talking about is that what we're all going through right now, all the grieving that people are going through right now for how life isn't the same, how people yeah. are passing, how we can't go outside, how 
everybody's in it together. This is like one big collective worldly mourn or grieving session, you know? So everybody should just, you know, depend on your friends. Um, I, uh, you know, I have a, a, a separate group of girlfriends from you guys. I have How other friends. How dare you? Um, <laughs> you, and, do, um, <laughs> you do not. Um, I do not approve. Uh, I do not approve. <laughs> and uh, we we have little Zoom, you know, dinners and Zoom meetings and stuff here and there. But, you know, at first... You know, one of us, one of my friends wrote to everybody and said, I'm not feeling good today about any of this. I'm feeling really isolated. I need to talk to you guys. You know, so reaching out at that point is is really important. You know what I mean? Like, so we were all like, okay, what time? Five o'clock? Want to do this? You know, let's all talk. We all have to be there for our friends. And even if you're not feeling it, you still have to be there for your friends. You know, because I, I've, you know, I know people who have been like, I don't want to talk about this. The more we talk about it, the more it's going to bring the disease on. So let's not even talk about it. Not not necessarily. If your friends need to talk about things, let's talk about it. You know, I, I, I think that, uh, I agree with that. And, and, you know, another, another thing that happened was the Lori passed away at night, the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And then that morning, my phone didn't stop ringing. Everybody was, you know, everyone was calling me. Everybody was texting. Can we come over? What can we do? Should we be together? And I just shut everybody down. I didn't want to talk to anyone. Mm. And mm-hmm. I shut everybody down. And Gilby came to me and said, you know, your friends want want to come over. I said, I don't want anybody here. And uh, Frankie came to me and she said, everyone's texting me now. They want to come over. I said, I don't want anybody here. Well, everybody showed up and thank God they did. Because it was about the collective everybody, not just about you. And in the end, it's yeah. what you needed and you didn't even know it. No, you know? no I didn't um, even know it. Yeah. So I think that right now is really a hard time. And you're right. We don't even know what's going to happen. Somebody just posted that. A friend of mine just posted a question on Facebook and said, do you think by J- uh, July 4th, we'll be having normal July 4th gatherings like we did last year? And every single person on the thing said, no. And by the way, it'll never be the same. I don't think in our lifetime, things will ever be exactly the same as they were before, let's say, March 1st. And should they be? Look at what happened. Mm-mm. There's so many things that right. we weren't doing right that, you know, maybe exasperated this. So Right, right. Well, that's it. And I think, I mean, at the very least, I'll be tickled pink if during cold and flu season, Every year, everybody decides to wear masks when they go to the mall or when they go to work, if they're sick, especially. Um, You know, I work in an office during the day where there's a couple hundred people and nothing is more infuriating to me than when you're standing in the kitchen at the microwave and somebody next to you is having a coughing fit with like deep guttural, awful chest cough. And you're like, what? Go home, go home. Like it's, it's, it's maddening to me. So I hope that those things completely stop forever, that we never deal with that. When you're sick, you either work from home or you wear a mask. Don't go out in public without masks during cold and flu season. And maybe fewer people will get sick and die of things like the flu. Mm-hmm. You know, flu is horrible. But we it, it, it spreads so quickly because other than Asia, nobody wears masks. 
You know, Asia, people have been wearing masks for years, yeah, for years. because they're and considerate. Less. Yeah, because they're considerate when they're sick. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we frown upon. You know, whenever I go on airplanes, I wrap a scarf around my face. I've been doing that for years. I never go on an airplane without wrapping myself up like a mummy. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I hate airplanes and they're nothing but just tubes of gloom and germs and bacteria. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, I, I just think that life is going to change. I, and I also think we come out of this um, more appreciative of things, which will help with grief, because if we can appreciate all the good things that came out of this, and that's what people should be doing now, instead of being sad that you can't go out and get your nails done or get your hair cut or whatever it is that you're grieving, you know, your normal life. Think of all the cool things that have happened during this, you know, um, things like this, that we're just able to do a podcast from each other's house. And right. in two seconds, you can turn this off. Barbara can go be with her family. You can go be with your family. I can go try to find my husband and figure out where he is. Um, <laughs> also, you think what? about, you think you think a little bit more outside the box now. Like you, you think about your friends. You're like, I wonder how they are. I wonder how they're doing. Right. You know, exactly. And, and I wonder how they're holding up. And then the environment. And you're reaching out to people more these days, yeah. Yeah. you know? I would love if just once, even if it's COVID-19 yearly, you know, like Earth Day, one day a year where we literally as a world stop, I think we would see, because the effect this is going to have on the climate change and on our environment is going to be astounding. So, um, you know, someone said to me early on, my niece Elizabeth said to me, I said, can you even imagine like COVID, uh, you know, climate change needs COVID-19's uh, COVID publicist. And she said, Aunt Barb, COVID-19 has done more for the environment than anything possibly could. And she's 100% right. Yep. It's so true. And you're, I love that thought of having like a COVID day every year where the world just shuts down. You know, sort of like what things were supposed to be. You know, like when I grew up, I grew up in a very, you know, Christian area in Michigan. Um, lots of people were Italian, so they were Catholics and you know what I mean? So Sundays were the day of the Lord, right? You didn't go out. You didn't do anything. You spent the day with family. You ate dinner. Um, you know, that was kind of the thing that families did. Um, if we could just have a day where everything shuts down, you know, I don't even know if that's going to teach us. I would like, I would like to do it once a month, well, you know, where you have one, one day a month where we don't have to do anything. They do it in the Jewish religion. It's called Shabbat. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. That's once a week. Yeah. Once a week. I'm totally for it. Do I need to convert in order to have this day? Will that be okay with everybody? <laughs> we might need to convert because I want that day. I want a day of doing absolutely nothing. And I think that this is something that I hope we take away from this. I hope the companies slow down. I hope the companies allow workers to work from home more often. Um, which is going to help our environment exponentially, just that. If you let people work from home three days a week even and have a two-day work week where you go into an office, imagine what that's going to do, especially you think about places like here in LA. Um, the roads, the traffic, the pollution that comes from the cars, uh, It's. I think it could change the world. And those, I think, are the things we should be dwelling on right now. 
because in the back of all of our minds, the gloom and the doom is really hard to not look at every day, you know? Yeah. It's hard. True. And I just wanted, you know, Honest AF listeners that um, are hurting, that have reached out to me on social media or fans of Zach's that have reached out to me on social media to know that we feel you. You know, it's not all, some people, this is a much, you know, it's they've been hurt a lot more than we have. Um, and we're, we're understanding that, you know, the best thing that we could do for each other is to be there for each other in whatever way we can. And, um, you know, we, we see you, we hear you, we feel you and back to basics, right? It's, it's just important to, to share our experiences and let everybody know that we're all together. Definitely. And write in, right? I mean, continue the emails and the, Dear um, Daniela. you know, when you, everybody's been writing on Instagram and Facebook, continue. Yeah. If you, if you're feeling something, write in, we'll talk about it on the show. Yeah. That's, you know, every, cause I think, I think those topics that, you know, individual people are thinking about, everybody's thinking about, you know, Everybody's having the same issues and the same grief and the same problems right now. So yeah. if, if you're feeling sad or, or whatever, you know, reach out to Daniela and Barb and, and they'll bring it onto the show. Yeah. And you should yep. check out Lisa's book, 14 Days, because it's And been maybe a- even at some point during this quarantine, we could- Sorry, Lisa. Um, I, I just want everyone to, you know, go out and-, and- Check out Lisa's book, 14 Days, because it's been a really beautiful journey for me to read through it. It's been, um, I really love the book. Thank you, Lisa, for writing it. And I think a lot of people would get, you know, would, would understand it, what they're going through a little bit more. And, you know, it helps to, it helps to go through that journey with you in this book. It's pretty amazing. Thank you. And yeah, and the, um, I wonder should be up shortly, at least for pre-order on Amazon, um, I know they were going to, we, we don't have any artwork or anything, but they were just going to put up a cover of some sort just to hold as a placeholder. So I'll try to see if they can get that up soon. So people can pre-order that if they want. Um, and meanwhile, if they just have any questions or want to talk about anything, you know, I'm available to, uh, by email and we can put all that information up on our website. So, um, that's great. So yeah, but just nobody's alone. None of you are alone. Uh, reach out to your friends, reach out to your family. More than likely, everybody's feeling exactly what you're feeling. And reach out to Daniela and Barbara Ann during this time. And, um, you know, you know, we can we can bring your questions and and uh, and concerns to the show and talk about it, you know, as a collective group. Yep, that's what we're here for. <laughs> and we're hoping the hilarity All will right. continue. Well, I think... Um- uh, maybe next week or the week after we can we can interview uh, with the guys yes, and the- <laughs> and uh, with with Zach and and Gilby and it will be a you know the hilarity will continue. It definitely will at some point. Don't you worry about that. Oh yeah. And we're going to do we're going to have that big uh, we're going to have that big reunion with all the boys in the room at one time. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, <laughs> Please just let Zach stay six feet away from me. Oh That's funny. You guys need that. Barb needs like a. Uh, you need a um, that that thing that you have, Daniela, in the in the front of your house, a suit of armor. <laughs> oh um, yeah. <laughs> she she or she needs one of those zappers. What are those zappers? That, yes. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, sort of cheers where Cliff kept saying the wrong thing and they, they, they like zapped him every time he said something terrible. Yes. <laughs> you need a taser, yes. Barb. Either that or just get one of those dog collars, those like shock collars. And every single time. <laughs> oh, my God. You're like, back, back, back. That might backfire on me. <laughs> yes. That's somehow uh, I look for it. <laughs> that's true. Maybe you'll that's like exactly it. Who knows? Right. Um, all right. So. <laughs> well, thank you, Lisa, for joining us on this episode of Honest AF. I think this is episode 20. It actually. is. I do believe. Yeah. So this is episode 20 of Honest AF. Well, thank you for joining us, Lisa. It's been great chatting with you as usual. Thank you for having thank me. You, it's so fun. Thank you. Yes. I love you guys and I love your show. And yeah, and actually I have to say one other quick thing here is that it's been for me to be in the pandemic world here and not be here while you're, you know, because I'm always there with them when they're recording the show. Um, to listen to the show afterwards has been so much fun for me because it's brand new when I listen. So it's like I haven't heard it before. So I get to listen as a listener and it's been so great. Like it's every every week I finish, I'm like, that was really good. So um, Aww, it's been fun to listen. Mama. Yeah. Ah, well, it's just been fun to listen as a listener, you know, and not, not it just to sort of be stepping to taking a step back for a bit. So, um, you guys are doing really great. Thank so you. there you have it. Thank you, Lisa. Well, I hope you and Teddy do another drive by soon. Yes. Wait, another fight. Did you drive say? By. No, I said, I hope you and Teddy do another unannounced <laughs> drive by. <laughs> oh, I thought you said, I hope you and Teddy have another fight soon. <laughs> oh, okay. No. <laughs> no, that should be happening in about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's normally about it's every schedule. every ten minutes. Oh my god! It's every ten minutes on the hour. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> we'll drive by when you least expect it. I won't be wearing a bikini. Oh well, <laughs> I'll try not to next time. Um, <laughs> all right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, Barb. Bye. I love you. I can't wait to see you in person. I love you guys. I miss you. I miss you so much, Daniela. I can't wait to give you guys all a big hug. With a mask on, but a hug anyway. So that's it for episode 20 of Honest AF. And just remember that if you liked listening to us, please subscribe. And if you have any questions, comments, or any subjects that you would like us to um, talk about or products that you would like for us to review, you can hit us up on our socials, Honest AF Show, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and also on our website, honestafshow.com. So thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Take care of yourselves. We um, obviously need to do a disclaimer here. So we want you to know... We are not doctors or experts by any stretch of the imagination. We are just a couple of gals that are looking for magical products, procedures, and experiences. And in our quest, we will share our honest as fuck opinions with you. So please make sure before you try anything we talk about that you know your own restrictions and do so at your own risk. Do not blame us for any of your issues. We're just experimenting too.